Hey there and welcome. Are you ready to put your digital marketing on steroids? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. Digital marketing runs through our veins. So listen up to get some seriously impressive ideas for your business. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Impressive Digital Marketer podcast. This is episode 18 and you're with Nicole and Kayla. We are the social media queens of Impressive. Um, Today we're going to talk to you guys about our social media predictions for 2019. Kayla. Hi. Very well, thank you. I'm excited to get chatting about all of this. It's obviously a lot we can talk about. I'm not sure what we'll get through today, but there's so many predictions and it's just changing every day. As we know, we come into the office and there's a new ad type, new difference here and there everywhere. So lots happening, but we'll definitely jump into the key points. And we've got a present for our listeners today. If you are wanting to audit your social media campaigns, if it's your page strategy, or you're just looking for a bit of um, strategic advice, if you give us a call, use the code podcast3000, we'll do that for you. It's exclusive to our podcast listeners. So few limited places. It's very time consuming, but we would love to um, help you guys out. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Kayla. Um, let's jump into the juicy stuff. What What's number one? What do you think is number one prediction? Number one. So the biggest thing with Facebook and all social media channels at the moment is the use of data. Yeah. It was such a hero of 2018. There was so much controversy and there's so many predictions. A lot of predictions that the channels might actually die. And I know (laughs) in our job, that's probably not the greatest news you want to hear, but I definitely think it's going to make all channels, not even just social media channels, all data and digital platforms, it's going to make them a lot stronger. Essentially, everyone's going to have to use data a lot more effectively and ethically, but I think it's going to make everyone smarter in the process. I I think I agree with you there. I know that the data and privacy issue has been pushed to the publisher, uh, sorry, the advertiser's responsibility as well. Um, but I am predicting that there's definitely going to be some more data measurement screw-ups from Facebook's Absolutely. end. Um, yeah, there's a lot of murmurs around that. I definitely think that – I don't think Facebook will ever reach the point that people will stop using their publishing platform. Yeah. But I definitely think that there will be a tipping point where the value of maybe the ad targeting can't overcome its brand. I mean, they're running the risk. You know, it's been – 2018 was pretty rough for for them. Yeah, there's definitely going to be more controversy on the cards for 2019. But I think it's going to make everyone a lot smarter. There's a lot more restrictions, but I think it's actually a really good thing. And social media can get a lot of hate here and there. And I think it just makes advertisers a lot more ethical in their practices overall and probably going to get better results off the back of it. So off the back of that, uh, I know we've just touched on data and privacy. What do you think about performance penalties? There's a, there's a few conversations happening around that at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really interesting one. It's something that Google has done for a really long time. So for anyone who's not familiar with performance penalties, essentially they are, if you have a website that hosts content that is completely irrelevant, different to your ads, or if you have a website that's really unfriendly on mobile devices, then you'll be penalized and you'll have to pay a lot more for that advertising space. So it's going to be a really big one because this is coming through for Facebook. So Facebook are integrating this into their ads. It's not something they're promoting quite heavily, 
but we definitely see it across the board. If we have clients that don't have really strong websites, they're going to pay a lot more. And, and just in terms of like getting more bang for your buck, you are plugging so much money into Facebook with these beautiful ads. Uh, if your website, which is essentially your funnel, is not doing the, you know, the hard yards there, you're not going to get conversions, yeah. you're wasting your money and Facebook's actually going to increase the cost of your advertising because users on Facebook aren't engaging with your content or when they're getting to your landing page, it's it's not as they promised. Totally. That's why we have so many clients we build out landing pages for and they're probably some of our strongest campaigns, particularly for our service-based clients. You get straight to the point, it's super valuable and it leads straight through from your ads. So you see an ad that's about something in particular, really strong, amazing, creative and content. You go to the website and it's exactly what you're looking for. And that's what all strategies essentially need to lead with. That That's um, so, so true. And I think that behind this, you know, Facebook does require tactical shift every couple months so we can figure out, you know, um, our strategies there, you know, when the platform is maturing and we adapt to that. But everything that we end up doing is based off basic marketing principles first and your platform strategies and tactics second. But if your main driver, which is your website, yeah. isn't functional or doesn't meet the standards, then you're going you're gonna to be hurting financially. And I think that leads into probably a conversation around the metrics that matter most as well. I think in 2019, we're really going to see a big shift away from reporting on vanity metrics, like reach yeah. and engagement and everything else. You actually want to report on metrics that matter. So you want to get people to your website. You want them to stay on your website and you actually want them to convert. Yeah. Without that strong website, that's not going to ha- be able to happen. So that's going to be a really big point for 2019, really focusing on that ROI of your advertising. Yeah, and I don't think that really, um, it doesn't matter if you're an e-commerce business or whether you're service-based and your focus is lead generation. It, it's applicable to, to all types of Absolutely. businesses. Every business. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed by the amount of data that, you know, they're reading like what is impressions, what is reach, yeah. but they don't really break it down in the sense that, you know, performance, you know, how do you quantify what you're getting for your money? Absolutely. And it's been a conversation in the cards for a long time. A lot of people wanting likes and comments and followers and everything else. That's been shifting away for a long time now, but I think it's even taking it one step further, focusing even less on the clicks. For instance, if a click doesn't result in a landing page view, it's completely void. So that's why for Facebook in particular, we always use the metric cost per landing page view because essentially 75% of clicks to your website won't actually result in a session. And that's dollars that you're just wasting and putting out there. I think as um, well, I'm just going to throw a curveball in there, but I do believe Instagram, (laughs) even, you know, that is an extension of Facebook, but Mm -hmm. I think they will have a monster year in terms of your money will get you more impressions on that platform, but you still need to be looking at the bottom line, which is again, your cost per purchase, your outcome, your, you know, are you getting leads? And we see a lot as well with Instagram, you often get a lot stronger quality sessions to your website as well yeah because you scroll through your feed you want to keep scrolling along and you don't want to jump out and go to a website and then jump back and try to figure out where you were particularly with the new algorithm you jump back in you have no idea where where you are totally and I always want to be up to date getting that little signal that says you're up to date with your feed is so satisfying that's uh, (laughs) so true I know that I probably actually spend more time on Instagram stories which I know you know having uh, both of us being marketers you know on social for years Instagram stories was so new and foreign when we could actually do sponsored content like about a year ago. There are so many brands now that are are killing it um, with this. And again, the most engaging uh, video content and it comes back to, you know, if um, you're not investing in video content or at least trying it, 
Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to yeah, be anything amazing. It. I think we spoke about this in our last podcast. It doesn't have to be a full film production and super high quality and like TVC style ad. It can be absolutely anything. We can grab our phone right, right now and I know we're probably being filmed as we speak and that sort of content, it's super natural and it's really engaging for your consumers. Yeah, uh, well, uh, we've even seen that with some of the best e-commerce campaigns for fashion brands that we're running at the moment. It's that user-generated aesthetic that, you know, they're doing a photo shoot, you're taking a video, um, we're chucking that into our advertising campaigns and we're seeing up up to, in some cases, a 20x return. And that is from cold audiences. So we're talking top of funnel content. And content that's just so easy to produce. I know Billy J, one of our clients, they do it so well. Whenever I see their Instagram story and they've got a new shoot day, I'm just so excited by everything that I'm seeing. You can see the outfits behind the scenes. It's super natural and it just really captures your attention. I know. And this is why we have no money. (laughs) You're not wrong. I've got an order at the post office from them as we speak. I think off the back of that, though, a big trend for 2019 is going to be longer form content. Oh, yeah. So over the last couple of years, we've been really focused on those really short, sharp, snappy pieces of video content, and they are always going to have their place in the marketing mix. But now you're seeing the introduction of IGTV, Facebook Watch, even we're seeing a lot more budget push towards YouTube. So I really think that's going to be a big focus. And a part of that is really focusing on having a really strong video strategy that's integrated into your whole marketing funnel. I agree. And I know that a lot of brands are moving towards getting influencers engaged with them to help them develop some of this content that's not fully brand or, you know, film proper production content, but it's the more user-generated yeah but still very aesthetically pleasing. It's so, more natural and it yeah. gives that kind of word of mouth yeah. appetite, yeah, it does. essentially. And you're tapping into their follower base. So I guess what I wanted to ask you now is like, I want to get your opinion. What about the rise of the micro-influencer? Yeah, this is a really big one. And I think the micro-influencer is going to be a really big trend for 2019. Yeah. So you know when you're following people these days and you see every second post they're promoting something. Yeah. They've got all these followers, they're quite a famous. Watch. You know when they're promoting something, getting paid for it. Sugar so baby you don't hair. really believe it. Whereas a micro-influencer, they're so much more relatable, they're so much more engaging and more natural. So when they're talking about a product, you actually believe it's something that they are invested in and they actually like. Yeah, and I think as well, there's obviously a cost associated with, um, you know, engaging these people. Mm -hmm. Some of them I know, um, you know, people like Steph Claire Smith. They've got a million plus followers. Yeah. I think one thing people need to look at is the actual engagement rate of how do people engage with these influencers on social. Now, she's not a micro-influencer. She is like a big-time influencer. (laughs) By no means. So she can be, you know, selective. I did a bit of a kind of comparison when I was helping one of our clients um, do some selections on, you know, who are they going to pick to align their brand with. And we talked about the big influencers. And what we found was when we, um, we use Social Blade, to kind of have a look and oversee some of their stats. We found that the ones that were over about a million, they get like an average engagement rate of maybe 2% from their follower listing. Mm -hmm. Then the ones who sit around 100 to 2, maybe sitting about 3%. But these micro-influencers, it's an engagement rate of like 7% plus. Which is huge. That is huge. Like that's really, that's a lot. Like that means if you're paying these people and we know that they're more trusted because they're not, I don't want to say sell out because some of these people are doing great, (laughs) you know, collaborations and um, brand endorsements, but they're more relatable because they're, you know, not running massive businesses. You believe them. Yeah, it's not just their business. A lot of the influencers, their full-time job is to promote things. Oh, that's how I shop. And that makes them so much more (laughs) less legit. 
That is how we I'm all like, believe it, and we all see it. Not necessarily believe, but it definitely influences our decision. But the micro influencers just hold a lot more trust. And I think um, people look to them to shop with emerging brands. For sure. It's why, so for Emma and Tom's, we use a lot of micro influencers. Yep. And a big part of that strategy in terms of engaging these people was to get more content. So instead of us going out and shooting a whole bunch of new uh, photography and videography and everything else, engaging micro influencers who really believe in the brand are able to shoot your content and in return you get amazing word of mouth recommendation, amazing creator that's really natural and engaging to consumers and it really enhances the brand value. And I, th- I think that's also applicable to really large scale brands. I was reading Definitely. an article about like Adidas and the New York Times the other day and they were saying that in terms of social, they're moving their whole ethos towards uh, making sure that they're delivering their communities with more insightful yeah. content, more relevant content so people can be, you know, passionate about what they're putting out yeah. there. They're not just um, selling out or just putting like a meme. They're actually, you know, taking time to think about how people want to, you know, engage with them on social media. Yeah, and it really comes back back down to that ethical piece too. Mm-hmm. Brands just being more ethical and more real on social media, giving all that transparency and just showing it exactly how it is. One thing though to keep in mind for any brands listening as well, whenever I run a influencer campaign for any client, it's really important that you can track it. Are we talking paid or are we talking like an organic push? Organic. So okay. organic push. So the way I always track this, and this is my little kind of hack and go to, is I always make sure that brand has a UTM link in their bio. So that way when someone clicks on that link, you can see that they've come through from the Instagram bio rather than from an Instagram ad or someone else just sharing the content in a message, for example. From that, you can see on certain days of the week, you've had a massive peak in traffic or conversions. It's not directly attributed to the influencer themselves, like the actual click, but you can really tell that That's it's made, a, made an impact. There is another hack as well, um, which I have had some clients do. If you have like um, an influencer that you're using to advertise your brand, you can link them, and this is hard, it does depend on the influencer, get them linked to your Facebook business manager. I've seen it's, it's a, a lot lately. a bit of technical mm-hmm. process. So, you know, okay, let's say I'm Steph Claire Smith and I've put up a post about this pair of leggings that I love by brand, who knows, kaylasleggings.com.au, <laughs> and I want to start advertising to those people. I could, you know, have Steph link up her Instagram profile yeah. handle to my Facebook business manager, she still owns it. She's got control over it. She can decide what the terms are, the time frame. And then I can send ads for a set period of time to these people. It doesn't come from Steph. It comes from kaylaleggings.com. Do you? Like yeah. It comes from the brand. So it's just a great way to tap into your influencer's audience. You are paying to reach those people, but they've already made the connection between, oh, I've seen the influencer wearing that. Now I'm mm-hmm. getting targeted with these ads. It's just a bit of a sneaky hack. Yeah, I've actually seen HelloFresh do this a lot over the last few weeks. So using Megan Marks as a Bachelor alumni. Yeah. Of course, I would know that. Yep. But she's been doing quite a lot with them. So she's been running ads. It actually comes from her Facebook page and they're promoting it for her. Yep. So it's a lot more legitimate as well. So it's not just HelloFresh being like, here's someone who's using my product. It's her saying, hey, guys, I use this product. I really like it. Yep. Watch your video, find out more and go to the website and you can do exactly what I've been doing here. And I think um, another one, big brand, like just thinking HelloFresh, uh, Kayla, oh, I'm going to say her name wrong, Kayla Itzinez. Yeah. You know. I know, um, she stole my name. So. Lady lady Boss. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, they're really pushing Kelsey. 
one of their trainers. So yeah. I would say what they're doing there is, you know, she's got this massive community and they're able to now advertise Kelsey out, you know, as part of yeah. that, but, you know, using the Kelsey brand name, or, you know, her fitness programs that are available through their app. Yeah, I think it's such a big shift in the way we're using influencers these days. And the biggest thing is just coming down to measuring it. Yep. If you want to influence a campaign at the end of the day, you have no idea what impact it made, then your dollars are probably better off spent somewhere else where you can actually measure that ROI that we were talking about earlier in the piece. Yeah, and that's that's so important. We get asked that so many times. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, uh, we want to do something with this person and, hey, look, we've just paid them a lot of money. Did we get anything out of that? Yeah. So you really need to... A lot to... of the time, brands can't tell. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I think I made a few sales that day, but I make a few sales every day. So is it because of that person or is it not? So unless you have a way to actually track and that UCM link I mentioned earlier, that can be through Insta stories as well that the influencers mm-hmm. are using themselves. So that way you can actually directly attribute it. But unless you're, yeah. And, and try and make use of um, using your annotations in Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. So when you are looking at historical data and you do see these huge peaks in like, say, increase in sales, yeah, you know exactly what you did that day. I've seen this before. We go in and we ordered a campaign and we're like, what did you do on this day? And nine times out of 10, the brand can't tell you yeah. or their social <laughs> media marketing manager is like, I don't know, we did something. We, yeah. we don't know because... Maybe you should do that again. You made totally. 20 grand that day. And a really big part of that as well is integrating anything you're doing offline or organically in terms of influences with your paid strategy. Yeah. So if we know, so I know with Sophia the label when they do a collaboration, if I know the exact day that's going out, I'll boost ads and I'll target more to that audience. So when they so had good. a lot of the Love Island crew, I had a Love Island targeting overlaid with our website retargeting and absolutely just ramped up the budget so we could hit all those people. They've seen it on their favorite influencer. Now they've seen their feed. And the conversion rate really, really supports us. I think Misguided were doing that in the yeah. UK as well. I they do very well around that time that. too. Oh, they do such good. Again, <laughs> this is why we're broke. And on the topic of being broke, another ad type that absolutely gets me every time is messaging campaigns. Oh, culture kings. They That's what are I was championing of, yeah. the e-com space with this. It's a really big part of what I see moving forward for social media marketing in 2019 it's this rise of dark social. So oh. the conversations that are happening via channels that you can't see. If you think about your Facebook page, not many people go out and post a status these days. They'll no. just send it to the people who matter. I've got so many, and you, you're the exact same, I think you're so many of mine, different messenger groups with different people, you have different conversations, you'll send different links. It's happening the same with brands. I and think Culture it, Kings did this to you really recently. Oh, uh, I know, exactly. And I bought three T-shirts <laughs> for $60. Um but I saved a hundred. That's yeah. It's really it, it's great. Like it really should be part of your strategy if you are a brand in the e-commerce space. Yeah. But it also applies to other ones. I think as well in terms of conversation, there are a lot of conversations now. And um, Facebook, you know, this whole we want to be more about people connecting uh, groups, groups on yeah. Facebook. It's probably the only thing I really use my Facebook for, just being part of these like marketer communities yeah. where we all just share information and post. Uh-huh. I don't use my personal Facebook anymore. The page, I actually went on my page the other day and I was like, oh, is that what's on there? Yeah. It's been six months since anything's actually gone live. But it's these darker channels that it's going to, It's they're harder to measure. But if you're doing it properly through advertising and you have the right links and the right tracking set up, you can actually measure the results off the back of it. Okay. There's definitely going to be loads more predictions that we'll probably be coming up with for the next few weeks and throughout the year. It's going to change immensely. But I think we probably wrap it up there. And if anyone wants to get in touch with us and find out a bit more about their social media strategy, 
more about our predictions and everything else that's happening in the marketing mix because it is changing every day. It, it really is. And th- there's a lot to it. And like, if you don't really know what you're doing or what you should do next, like just shoot us an email. You can email Kayla, Kayla at impressive.com.au. You can email me, Nicole at impressive.com.au. And just remember, there was a special code at the start of this. If you do use podcast 3000, um, we'll do the free audit with you guys and one of our yeah. strategists. Um, and yeah, I mean, we love, we love speaking to brands. We love, we love exactly. what we're doing. We could have this conversation all day long. So if you are super engaged, you want to chat more, definitely get in touch with us. And also if you, uh, jump onto our Facebook page, you'll also find a video where Kayla is going to be covering yes. off a few more topics that we didn't have chance to chat about today. Thanks for listening. And if you guys haven't already, just make sure that you subscribe. We'll be uploading a new podcast in another fortnight. Thanks guys. Bye. Thank you.